0: Welcome to Let's Learn Something. I'm your host, Paul McTavish. Have you ever heard of mastery grading? What about spiraling the curriculum? If you have, then you'll know that these are techniques being employed by teachers to help their students find success. If you haven't, then you're in for a treat, because today's guest brings some expertise on these topics to our show. Shannon Sirwa is a teacher at Lee's Community School, and she's our guest today. Shannon teaches a variety of subjects and, as you'll soon hear, has been on a journey the last couple of years to revamp her classes to include mastery grading practices and spiraled curriculum. You'll hear the thinking that went into making these changes, the benefits that have resulted, and the work still to be done. Join us and let's learn something about mastery grading and spiraling the curriculum with Shannon Sirwa. So today I get to chat with Shannon Sirwa, so we're super excited about that. Um, And I'm just going to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit uh, and where you're at, what you're teaching, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of get uh, the lay of the land. And then we'll kind of jump into our topic. So Shannon, it's so nice to have you. Sure.
1: sure. Thanks for having me. It's great. Um, So my name is Shannon Sirwa. I teach uh, secondary science, math, art, and a bunch of other stuff, Mm -hmm. whatever they want me to teach um, in Lease Community School been here since 2014 and I love being up here a lot of my students um, a lot of them deal with a lot of struggles um, generational trauma adverse childhood experiences uh, learning gaps uh, just to name a few so it's it's an interesting group to work with we have we have to come up with a lot of um, accommodations to make sure that the students can, can do their best work.
0: Yeah, totally. So you kind of have a mixed bag of stuff. Um, I've been at some small schools. I know you, you might have a yeah. teaching area, but you're all kind of over the place. Oh yeah. What, yeah. what is your area that uh, if you, if you're just in one area, what would it, what would it be? Uh,
1: so my major at university was math okay. and my minor were, was chemistry and art. Oh, right um, and so I'm accredited in math, chemistry and biology actually. Yeah. So, again small school. so yeah. i just i got accredited and everything i could and <laughs> yeah. and then they make me teach it all
0: so. yeah no that's perfect it's good awesome yeah and the reason we're chatting today is because we want to chat a little bit about two things mastery grading and spiraling uh, and when i yeah. heard you were kind of working on that i thought oh those are that's a fantastic places to go so when we think about mastery grading then why was that something you were? Well, first of all, when we use that term, what does that mean? Like, what are how are you biting that off? I guess, and then why did you? Why is that something you're focused on?
1: So when I started thinking about mastery grading, it I was I went to Kathleen a couple of years ago and the the Canadian Assessment for Learning Conference in Vancouver, and I learned so much there, and it really changed how I was thinking about assessment, and um, I really. I came, I actually came home, it was in the middle of May, I came home and I changed how I was okay. assessing my classes that next week, uh, and through my students for right, right old loop. But I just, it, it really stuck out to me when some, a student at the um, conference said that one essay from the beginning of an English class that she had done poorly on was pulling her grade down <laughs> by the end. And like, that just doesn't seem right if a student can show you that they've mastered all of the outcomes by the end of a course shouldn't their grade reflect that and not reflect a, a zero from something they didn't understand at the beginning or a 50% from a test that they wrote and were having a bad day. So I just feel that um, when students are averaged out that way, it doesn't necessarily show their, their best work and what they actually know. I don't feel like that grade is, is actually what they know. So I changed and I started looking, I started breaking my courses down into topics, which are loosely based on outcomes. Some outcomes have more than one topic. And then I, I assess on a topic. So my assessments are broken down into those topics and a couple questions per topic. And if you can show me that you've mastered that topic one time throughout the course, I know that you know it now. Right. So your grade should reflect that, you know that outcome and that you've mastered that outcome. Um, so I give my students multiple opportunities. Uh, we assess weekly on the material that uh, we looked at the previous week and then other material from the rest of the year, which is where my spiraling comes in. Yeah. And so students know where they're at for each outcome and each topic and know what they have to look at and where where they need to maybe put some effort in and To be able to master a specific topic, to have that mastery grade, master mastery mark, yeah, uh, averaged into their their final grade.
0: Yeah. As you're talking, I was thinking like, I totally get what you're saying. And ten years ago, I would have been like, "What is she talking about?" (laughs) Because (laughs) I remember when I first started thinking like, "Okay, kids are going to do stuff. I'm going to mark it, and that mark just stays there. And then if they do better, okay, they do better, but that." initial mark just kind of it's planted there and it's like that's just the way this that's the way this goes right yeah and then i can't remember who i was talking to but they just said like you know in the curriculum uh, or like the guiding documents that the curriculum is written on it talks about outcomes and it says outcomes are things students should know and be able to do by the end of the course not on the third day or the ninth day or the 22nd day but by the end of the course so exactly. if we have better information at the end of the course, than we did at the start of the course, that's what that mark should be based on. And that for, sure. for whatever reason, I was like, holy cow, I like that had never occurred to me. Like I'm slow sometimes, <laughs> 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 but like that had never occurred to me. Yeah. And I think what you're doing or what you're talking about, that idea of like, I would assume then from what, we, what you just said, like stuff, you'll still mark stuff at the beginning, but it will get replaced if there is better evidence at the end, and, and you gi- and you're intentional about giving those opportunities with spiraling, yeah. In, right?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So my markbook, it like I can't make it work right now in PowerSchool how how the way I'm marking. So I have um, like a, a an Excel sheet, and every time they they write an assessment for me, I add whatever um, grade, and I, I'm marking my students on a like a one, two, three, four scale yeah. um, because. I don't think that percentages mean much anymore. So I, I enter that one, two, three, or four, and then I look and I say, so over the assessments that we've done, the hand in assignment that we've done, and uh, any observations and conversations that I've had with my students, do you understand this? Have you mastered it? Can you do it on your own? And if you can, that's your three. If you've shown me that you can do it at some point in time throughout the term, that's your three. And that's as long as you can show me at, at one point that you've know, you know it, then I feel like you deserve that three no matter what else happens throughout the year because one bad test doesn't mean that you don't understand something. It means you had a bad day.
0: So you're looking at the balance of evidence of uh, they did maybe some something written, you saw them in class, you had a conversation with them and based off the balance of that evidence, you're going to assign a, a one, two, three, four, whatever it happens to be, right?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: And do you do... That works beautifully. Grades one through nine where we use one to four in Prairie Spirit. When you get to grade yeah. 10, 11, 12, you're going to have to get to a percentage at the end, right? Is how, yeah. how do you handle that?
1: So right now, just to enter like a percent in, I've been using the percentages that are attached in uh, Power School saying that a one is a 55 and yeah. a two is a this. Um, but really at the end, I, I feel like I could just ask a student what number do you think should go in your report card? Because they're, they, they know where they're at and they'll probably assess themselves harder yeah. than I would. And, you know, if they've shown me mastery work all year and they say, I want a 90 and I'll say, sure. I guess like that's, I feel like those numbers, like I said, I don't think that they mean anything, right? What's the difference between a 90 and a 95? It's the teacher, it's the subject matter, it's, you know, the days that they were assessed. And so those numbers in the, at the end of the day, I feel just, you can't, you can't put too much weight on them. Right. So if a student feels that they deserve a 90 and I agree, then I'll throw a 90 into the report card.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the big thing, right. Is like, I I like that idea of like co-determining the mark. Like at the end of the day, as a teacher, we still have to be like, I mark stuff, (laughs) right? I'm I'm assigning the mark, but I agree. Usually most times the kid will rate themselves way lower or not way lower, but lower than what they should be. Like, you'll be like, Hey, a three means X, Y, Z, here's the criteria. And they'll be like, well, I only kind them. And you're like, no, no, this is exactly what I was looking for. Right. And they'll they'll kind of lowball themselves a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So as long as I have evidence that that 80 or the 90 or Whatever the student thinks that they deserve, then I feel like I I can back myself up if someone ever comes to say, why did you give this kid an 80 or why did you give this kid a 60, a right? Yeah,
0: for sure. I'm just going to jump us back a little bit to spiraling yep. then. So yep. um, when I think of spirali- spiraling, I think of like saying, okay, we assess this but I'm going to make sure that later on at certain points throughout the course, I'm going to be intentional about like asking another question about that or getting more yeah. evidence or like having a conversation. Is that that how you think of it too?
1: So that's how I'm doing it in my science courses. Okay. So um, like I said, on my assessments uh, once a week, we assess, uh, I call them a check in I don't call them a test or anything because that stresses kids out. It's um, funny. Just but, because,
0: like I started calling test quizzes because they, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't stress it, out it as much. It just stresses <laughs> them out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so once a week, they they show me what they've learned the previous week. And then I go back and I look at what we've assessed so far and how many times I've seen them do it. And I So I'll throw a few more topics in at the end just so that they have a, a, that extra chance to show me that they've learned something new or that they can show me their skills in a different way. So that's what I do for science. For math, I actually go one step further, and I, I uh, spiral my teaching as oh, well. Okay. So uh, I call them cycles. I actually, um, this came from Kathlin as well. Um, so John Orr and Kyle Pierce uh, from uh, Making Math Moments uh, were there, and they did a, a, a section, and uh, they were talking about, they talked about the grading more, and then I got into their website when I got home uh, and looked at the spiraling And so basically, uh, I call them cycles. I think they called them cycles as well. But so cycle one, we look at pretty much every outcome, but we look at the very simplest material from Mm. that outcome. And then once we get to the end of the cycle, I'm still doing the assessment every week. And then we go through a cycle. And then the second cycle, now we're looking at, we're delving a little bit more deeper into those topics. So not only are they being assessed multiple times. Now they're having to look back to that material that they learned previously and reapply it to some deeper concepts. Okay. Right. So, and then we, we kind of cycle through, I think. So, uh, before I went on maternity leave, so the 2018 or 2019, 2020 school year, uh, I actually talked my principal into letting me have all the grade 10 kids for both workplace and foundations, Mm. um, no matter who who they were, and so I I I actually spiraled workplace ten and foundations ten together because oh, wow. there are some outcomes yeah. yeah there are some outcomes that cross yeah right so then I didn't have to teach trigonometry twice right but we could go in a little deeper and then at the end of the first term if students weren't being very successful with the foundations outcomes they would just focus on the workplace outcomes and have extra time to do so when I was working with the students who are still doing the foundations material. And I found it so successful. The, the kids, the kids were working and they were learning and, you know, it, it just at the end of the year COVID happened. So they all passed, but they all would have passed anyways. And that's not something that I can always say about my grade 10 classes in their maths that they'll, by the end of the year that they've passed um, their curriculums, their outcomes.
0: Yeah. So, so. Couple things so that uh, making math moments matter. Um, they have a podcast as well, which I've which yeah. I'm much more familiar with than the website. But it's if you're a math teacher, check that out, it's really really good, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then the spiraling part. Um, so just so I understand it, so. Uh, The strands in math are like uh, number, shape, and space, stats, probability, like those. So you would hit whatever the lowest kind of was, those base foundational stuff in each of those outcomes or those strands, and then cycle through it over and over again?
1: Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you got to the end, if you didn't quite get to um, maybe some of the more in-depth problem solving, you know, some of the things that... You you try and get to if you're working through chapters, but then you get to the end and you rush your last chapter, right? Mm-hmm. But if you sometimes some students just won't get to that problem solving or the like the really deep thinking questions. Um, and that's okay, right? You've you've touched everything, you've done everything. You just might not have gotten all the way to the, the end, the hardest critical thinking things. Right. Yeah. yeah. But
0: they, they'll have a really solid foundation for the next course exactly. yeah, whatever right okay exactly yeah so then it sounds like the kathleen uh conference is pretty foundational to like oh, shifting yeah. your thing and i've totally i've heard about it actually i think we talked to kevin Cumming and that was one of the things that shifted his thinking too is that yeah it was that it was in delta right that yeah. conference yeah okay yeah um so aside from going there and saying like wow this is really neat or i see how this could be different Was there something else that you just, why you decided to make that change? Like, Hey, I'm not meeting the needs of my learners the way I think I maybe could, or just like, this is, this just fits me or what was it?
1: Um, I just found that I was marking every little thing. I was marking myself into a hole and chasing kids around to hand things in and to complete assessments and, and just like you know, accepting material from the beginning of the year at the end of the year Mm -hmm. that they hadn't looked at since the beginning of the year. And so it really, it was just like this jumble. And I didn't, I wasn't meeting the kids' needs because uh, we have a really high rate of absenteeism here. And it's it's tough if you miss a test and I say, well, you have to come write your test at lunch. Like no kid wants to give up their lunch hour to come write a test, right? So then I was chasing kids and I was getting stressed out and they were getting stressed out. And it was just... everyone was just big balls of stress. Yeah. So I just, I I had to simplify it for myself, number one, because now I have two kids at home. I can't spend hours and hours marking everything that they hand out. So every, like our daily assignments are practice assignments. And I go around and I give them a check mark if they've done it. And I tell them to finish it if they haven't. And they have all the answers so they can self-assess throughout the day um, and know that they're on the right track. And then every uh, kind of chapter, I give them a hand-in assignment, and I take that in to assess, and then I take their weekly check-ins to assess. So I'm down now to one, maybe two assignments that I'm grading every, every week, which means I'm able to give them better feedback and more timely yeah. feedback because I'm not, I don't have a stack this big of all this paperwork that, you know, they probably didn't do very well. They, they probably put minimal effort into because... They just, we're, we're going to have to do another assignment tomorrow. So it it just, it eased back my workload. It made the stuff that I was marking more meaningful. Um, and it just made sure that my students knew exactly where they were at and exactly what they needed to do next to, to succeed.
0: That's, I really connect to that. There's a couple of things. So I always think about this idea of now of like, there are learning phases in class where we're going to do stuff where I, it's just to help you learn. And I'm not marking it like I might take it in and I might um, I might actually in my grade book, like put a mark in it somewhere, but the kids would never see it. It's just so that I know that, yeah. like, hey, this is really good evidence. I don't want to forget or lose this or whatever, but I'm not I'm just going to give you feedback, like comments or oral or what it written or whatever that happens to be just so that you can learn. And yeah. I don't need I don't need 50 things to determine what level you're at for this yeah. outcome or for this topic or however you're structuring it. Like, I don't need 50 things. I might need three. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to get for sure I'm going to get bent out of shape about those three that I'm going to be like calling mom, calling dad. <laughs> like this needs to come exactly. in. I have to get this. The rest of it is for you. The rest of it is for you yeah. to learn. And if you're not doing those things, I'll still call mom and dad or. Grammar, whoever yeah. it happens to be that you are connected with, to let them know like things aren't going well. But I, I'm not. It's not gonna hurt your mark until we get to like the performance phase where the chunk where you yeah. got to show me. And that, like I said, I don't need 50 things for. I might need three. So I yeah. really and like I said, you are now like you got your own family at home. Uh, everybody always has connections and responsibilities outside of school. Like those yeah. matter too. And so making it so that it's kind of win-win. It, it sounds like that's where you're at, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, for sure. I've, I've been really trying to get my students to connect the practice work yeah. with like a practice for their basketball games. Right. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't go to play your final basketball game without practicing beforehand. Right. And I was even struggling to get this my students to look at the answer keys mm-hmm. that I was giving them. And I don't want to cheat. I don't want to cheat. Well, it's not cheating. Your basketball coach isn't going to send you into a practice and not tell you how to play basketball. Yeah. And not give you corrections throughout your practice, right? You're there, cause then you might show up to a basketball game and just be throwing a ball at a wall, right? And people are gonna look at you like, what are what are you doing? That's not basketball. <laughs> yeah. Right. You need you need to be able to self-correct so that you know that you're on the right track. And if if I can't be there to coach you, because I have 15 of you in this room, so I can't coach everyone. every second of the day you need to take some responsibility and coach yourself a little bit Mm -hmm. and figure out yeah i'm on the right track i'm doing good no i'm not i need to call my coach over and and get some help
0: and when they leave us after they graduate like those are the skills we'd hope that they would have right to be able to go this is going well i'm on the right path the way i go or this is not going well i gotta stop evaluate figure out what went wrong enlist some help if i need to whatever like these are the things now if we can teach them now when they get to the point where they're signing a loan for a car or a mortgage or something like that they they can solve problems and issues and don't get themselves in real trouble (laughs) for sure for sure yeah yeah it needs to get sorted out now okay so back to the um assessment part then and kind of the spiraling part how did you know where to start with that like what was that process like because even as i'm thinking about like setting up the math curriculum to spiral like Holy man, that's a lot of thinking to go through. So what was that like it, for you? It was,
1: it was a lot. Yeah. Um, I started with sticky notes okay. and I wrote all the topics that I could find in the curriculum or that I knew that I needed to teach. Some of the things weren't even in the curriculum, right? Like I knew to teach surface area to my students, I was going to have to teach them area. Right. So that was one of the sticky notes and every topic got a sticky note and the sticky notes were like it. It's actually still up on the wall in uh, one of my rooms. Like all these sticky notes, they're all in different colors based on the like the top or the outcome they come from. And I just I wrote them all out and then I looked at them and I just kind of stared at them for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, so where where does this go? And I just I started like putting them up on the wall and trying to balance, um, making sure that each um, cycle had a piece of material from each topic and each outcome and just played around with it. And there's so many color codes and like, yeah, by the end I was pretty happy with it. I'll probably always be going back and yeah. and reassessing how things look. Yeah. Then I just, I kind of went for it and I just hopped in with two feet and started planning lessons based on the material that I wanted to teach that day.
0: So then are you, if you th- think about math where you're constantly spiraling and getting more mm-hmm. complex every time uh you kind of hit it again if the kid does well let's say on the first stuff but it's it's really simple stuff like if we're trying to do surface area of um uh, complex structures that have um rectangles and triangles and all kinds of things you're trying to add it all together yeah. uh, cones and whatnot like are you the first time through it would just be area you're yeah. saying like, yeah, you're where you should be right now. I'm, am I scoring that a three or we just like, you know what? You're not quite at the outcome yet. I'm scoring that a two. And then, but you're going to get more complex stuff that will get you. Like yeah. how are you handling that?
1: So within the outcome there, I, I separate topics. Yeah. Like you were saying, right? There's area and then you go to surface area of like cubes right. and simple shapes and then uh, surface area of more complex shapes and then surface area of um, like, like combined, sh- combined shapes. Yeah. yeah. So those i would kind of look at and i would assess each topic this like as a topic as a separate topic but then maybe look at them together at the end as the outcome yeah. and say have you reached this outcome have you have you mastered this outcome to the end and that's where that final mark would come from yeah at the end yeah
0: so then on the way through then you're not necessarily saying like this is a three level it's just like hey this is where you should be right now or yeah, yeah. this is the feedback i'm giving you on this task kind of thing
1: yeah exactly okay and i on my when i'm assessing i'm i am assessing i i do not call them one two three fours i put one two three fours in my yeah. grades because it's simpler totally um but i tell them that they're uh, beginning if they're like a one I, I call beginning because you're just starting your yeah. learning you're you're on the tr- right track um two is a developing so I can see that those skills have started developing and you're almost there and then I say three is proficient because you've pr- proficiently met what I need and then a four would be an extending um and I I try and use that those terms in class because a one two three four I think some still kids still think two out of four is a 50 yeah. percent Right. And so, but if I tell them, Kate, you're just beginning, that's great. Everyone starts at the beginning. That's where we're started. Right. Yep. And you just need to push a little bit and we'll get you into developing and then push a little bit further and we'll get you into that proficient level and
0: I show that you understand. I think there's a couple of brilliant things you've said. And one is like, so you can still collect evidence with numbers because it's way quicker and easier for you to see trends and where kids are at by a number, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily help the kids. <laughs> like, yes, so it's you, exactly. for you as a teacher, that's brilliant. And then just that language around, I really like the idea of like proficient um, and and extending it and like beginning those are things that kids can kind of understand too, right? They're like, yeah. yeah, I'm where I should be. Like we are beginning, I'm beginning. That's where I should be. Like there's no, there's no shame in that, right? Like it's exactly. like, this is where we, this is where we're starting from, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. So then at the end, your grade book, because you're collecting just a bunch of evidence on a Excel sheet or spreadsheet or whatever grade book, well, for grades one through nine, it already is by outcome and by strand and that kind of stuff. Yeah for grades 10, 11, 12, are you just putting in one mark per topic or outcome or however yeah. you got it structured kind of thing? And then yeah. they average together to get your final mark kind of thing. That's yeah. how that works. Yeah.
1: That's exactly what I'm doing. Okay.
0: Do you make any decisions around like this outcome's weighted more than that, or this topic's more based on how much time we spent, or is it generally like, ah, oh, the curriculum says they're all equal. I'm going to call them all equal.
1: It's, it's pretty much all equal. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do try and give most things an equal amount of time in class. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously there are some things like we're doing um, acceleration right now and uh, velocity versus time graphs. And just like my kids stare at me with dear eyes and they have (laughs) zero clue what's going on. So we're putting a little bit more time into that, but that's just because those topics seem pretty foreign to them. Um, Yeah. graphing can
0: be very abstract for a lot of kids.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and the, the five, acceleration equations they they yep. just look at them and they're like what the heck are you throwing at me like I've never seen this many letters in an equation before <laughs> yeah. and uh so just just to bring them back to like just read the, the problem underline some information figure out what information you have like trying to get them not in that algorithm but just like really thinking deeply about what's in that question and how they can use that to solve problems and yeah like a, yeah so
0: we're yeah applying like a problem solving framework to a question yeah. right saying like yeah what do, for sure what does it tell me what do I know where am I trying to get to right
1: yeah but I wouldn't because we've spent four classes on acceleration in these graphs I wouldn't weight those differently I just know that my students need more time yeah with something like that yeah. so yeah
0: yeah that totally makes sense so then you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but um, when we talked about the learners, but so you've made this change from, and I, I'm imagining there's a bunch of differences you've noticed, like one, just like your relationship with the learners to probably like how they approach their work, stuff like that. Can, mm-hmm. can chat a little bit about that? Like what have you seen different now that you have started to interact differently with how you assess and how you spiral on that kind of stuff?
1: I'm finding the kids are a little bit more relaxed, they, they still freak out a little bit when I tell them it's check-in day, mm. but it's not, it's not so much because they know it's not the end. They know a check-in isn't the end. Whereas the chapter test is the end. Yeah. You're done. You're showing me what you know for this chapter. And then we're moving on and not looking at it again. Um, and I try and be really purposeful about making sure that they understand that this isn't the end. If you don't know it today, that's fine. You might know it tomorrow. You might know it the next day. Um, And I really push them to even take their check-ins as learning opportunities. Um, So I've created little, I call them check-in helpers. Mm. And they're just little quarter sheets. They have some definitions. They have maybe a a worked problem for them. And I say, if you need this, I'll give it to you. It's like, this isn't a negative thing. I want you to learn something from this check-in. Rather than leaving it blank, I want you to learn how to do this question. So here's some help. I can't give you a proficient Because you're not doing it independently, but are you going to get a developing or better on your own? I ask them to think about that. And if you're not, then take this opportunity to learn today. And then maybe next time it's on a check-in, you'll know how to do it because you've taken this opportunity to, to learn and you can get the proficient next time on the next check-in
0: see i love that i i used to have conversations with kids and i i would use the numbers and I, mm-hmm. I i would advocate for more for what you're doing with those descriptors of those levels but i would say like okay so we're working through this question if you need my help on this, like, if you need me to like, if it's just like a little nudge, I'm not going to say like I helped you, but if it's like, if you need me to kind of scaffold this for you, then you're probably not at the three level. So three proficient kind of thing. It's like, but that doesn't mean you can't show me some stuff here. And I liked that idea of like, I would still provide scaffolding, I would still provide help because I still want you to learn something here. And I was but yeah. it would just like we would know that if I'm gonna provide a bunch of scaffolding, then we're not talking about this being evidence of proficiency anymore. This is evidence of what you would call developing or I would call approaching or that kind of stuff, right? And it's right. like yeah, but that relationship or that learning conversation was still really, really positive because it was like, Okay, yeah, I get it. Like I get as the student, I get to basically say, like, no, I don't know this. Can you help me? And I go, Yeah, absolutely. Like, here, I want you to learn something here. And then yeah. I just try and give you, not necessarily the answer, but, like, ask some questions maybe to see maybe if you have it in. Like, I'll, I'm, I always say, like, I'm going to ask you some questions first before I start helping you because I bet there's more there that you know. And I'm just going to help yeah. shape your thinking a little bit. But then there are some times when it's like, no, I legit don't know this. Fair enough. We're going to learn some stuff right here now. And that was such a better relationship to have than me basically like, well, you don't know it. Sorry. One out of five or whatever it happened to be. Right. For sure. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I like I push my students to not leave any questions blank. Like even if you have zero clue, just tell me like, I think this number means something about this. Like write me a sentence that what does, when you look at this, what does your brain automatically say? Mm. What's the the thing that pops into your brain that maybe you can't fully flesh out, but what's that, that thing? If you're, if you've been in class, there's going to be something that sparks in your brain, right? So write down two words to tell me something that you've, you understand about this. And that just shows me that you're starting. Yeah. Right. And that gives me the ability to say that you are starting and that you can have that one rather than, You leaving it blank and me having to say no evidence or NHI, right?
0: Yeah, totally. I make the assumption that it's like we're always growing and we're always learning and we're always going to find new ways, but there's always something that's going not as great as we want. And so there's something we're going to pick away at kind of thing be like, that's the next challenge. So my question is a long way of saying, what's still hard about this? Or what is the parts that are still like, these are still the challenges that maybe I'm working on, but haven't figured out yet.
1: Still, definitely still trying to get my kids to buy into the practice. Mm and getting the practice done. Okay. And and not worrying so much that it's not worth marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Our students are still so mark driven that if I say well I'm not marking it, okay, that means <laughs> I don't have to do it, right? <laughs> right. Like what what what's what does it matter? And and just really I always my kids love basketball, so I always go back to basketball practice. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to go to a game before you've done a practice right? Like you're not going to pick up a brand new sport and go play a final game without having one practice. Yeah, Right. So just really instilling that that practice is important and and they need to to put a little bit of effort into it.
0: Yeah. Because you don't want to be embarrassed. Right. You don't want to get there and feel crappy about it. You want to get there and be like, oh, yeah, I know. I know how this is going to go. or I know I feel good about this. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, And I still have students, like I said, who come in and I say it's check-in day and they still just like, they tense up, their shoulders come up to their ears and they don't want to look at me and they don't want to engage and they just, they they still think so negatively about these, about an assessment Mm. and just trying to really get them to understand that it's not the end. Like, it's not the end until it's the end. Yeah. And this this isn't the end. And even uh, my plan for finals is to have the kids pick which topics they want on their finals, right? If you've mastered something, maybe, maybe you want some extending questions right. to show me that you can get the four. But if you've mastered it, then maybe we don't have to put so much weight on it on your final. Right. Maybe we put a little bit more weight onto something that you haven't shown me mastery in yet. And that's what you're... Your final will be a part, so everyone will kind of have an individualized final that I copy paste from. Like a, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a sadist who's going to write
0: fifteen <laughs> finals.
1: I'm going to write one big one and then copy paste. Yeah. Um. But just to make sure that kids have some choice and some um, ownership in what they they know they need to to work on. Yeah. For their final grade. Yeah. My
0: last year <laughs> doing health science twenty. That's what I did. So there was what the eight outcomes or nine outcomes, whatever it is in health science, 20. And I had before I had to just had a big exam with everything on it. And then the last year I was like, well, I already have this exam written. I can just break this into the questions to deal with this outcome and this. And it basically so I printed off eight or nine sheets or whatever it was. And it was like, okay, you already know, because in the grade book, it already says what you have for each outcome you know the ones you didn't do well on. I was like, you got to pick a minimum of three. You can pick, you can do all eight if you want, but you got to pick at least three of these sheets to provide more evidence to get like a better mark. And I, I liked that because one, Then it targeted just the stuff that I needed to see from them too. I didn't have to mark as much, which is selfish, but I was like, this is way better in June when I'm super stressed. (laughs) Right. And it just, it was just like a nod, a tip of the cap to say like, I already saw this from you. I know you can do this stuff. You don't need to prove it again, but this stuff, that didn't go as well. We got to do better there. Or if you had done really well, I'd be like, what, here's the challenge question. Like you said, like, here's a question that's going to ask you to think deeper or create something or whatever that happens to be. And I just thought that was a, I didn't, I didn't perfect it, but I liked the idea. So yeah. Yeah. That's the, those are the things that popped my mind. I'm guess I'm just wondering like, as you've gone through this, then what do you think are kind of your next steps or what are the things you're excited about trying this for? Actually, before you answer that question, yeah. I, have, I have one other thought. So uh, before we started recording, you were just talking about you're teaching a new class for the first time, that financial literacy class. And I, I wonder about, uh so you're teaching science class teaching math classes things you're comfortable with things that you will spiral things that you will uh do the mastery grading in do you think it's different teaching a curriculum for the first time because i think it is (laughs) i think it's harder totally (laughs) okay yeah what's that experience like
1: i definitely wouldn't jump right into spiraling yeah okay like my teaching for a new curriculum for sure um, I, I might do it for math because I'm fairly comfortable with math. But if it was just a brand new curriculum that I'd never seen, I wouldn't spiral the entire thing. But I feel like spiraling assessments is fairly doable for the majority of teachers. Okay. If you're always checking back on material that your students haven't quite mastered, it's just a matter of always putting in a couple questions from previous material, right? And just making sure that your students know that it's going to be there so they don't Show up and freak out that I haven't seen this in two months, so why are you telling me to tell you again? Yeah. um, but just the, I, I feel like the assessments is a good place to start for any new course, and then you can ease your way into spiraling the material. You could even spiral bell work if you weren't quite ready mm. to spiral material, right? If you wanted to come in and do a couple questions before you got into the day's work um, from previous topics just to always I feel like every time oh, I know the, the way your memory works every time you pull some, have to pull something out of your memory it gets uh, driven deeper into your long-term memory yeah so if you only see it once the one day that you te- that is it's taught to you in a chapter then again on the final you probably haven't had a lot of time to interact with it and a lot of time to put it into your your long-term memory but if your teacher is always trying to pull it out of you and always making you think about it then it's going to have a better chance of of finding its way into long term so that you can access it for another
0: course. Dylan William talks about that a lot about the idea of like assessing uh, like tests multiple times not necessarily to see record not even so that you record the mark or anything just so the kid has to go through the act of like drawing that out and like and recalling it and it's like that's that's learned or like that's a very productive process I guess so the thing I think that I want to point out for what you're saying that so some people might be listening to this thinking like, but if you ask those questions again and the kids don't know it, like won't that hurt their overall test mark? And I think the thing that some people struggle with is like, you're not necessarily assigning points to everything, right? You're basically yeah. like, this is just evidence that fits this topic or this outcome. And if it's not as good as the evidence that was before, no worries yeah. then, right? It doesn't, doesn't exactly. drag it down per se, right?
1: Yeah. And, and that's that's what I tell my students. if you show me that you've proficiently met that outcome, then your mark is going to be proficient. Yeah. If the next time, if three weeks down the road, if you don't still have that information in your brain as strongly, then that's okay, right? You've shown me that you you know it, and you might just have to see it a few more times to make sure that it's in that long-term memory storage and yeah. um, that you'll always have it there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So then back to that last question I was asked before, uh, what yeah. are you excited about or where does this go or where do you think your next steps are?
1: Um, I just, I really want to continue fleshing it out. I want to, so I have my science 10, uh, I'll have my science 10 course finished. Uh, I also worked on my uh, foundations of math 10 spiraling uh, while I was on my maternity leave. Uh, so I just want to like continue applying it to all my courses nice. and making sure that, I'm doing it, and make and everything aligns together. Um, I know myself if I don't have it, it planned a good chunk ahead of time, it's it's tough for me to keep that momentum. So really using my time wisely over the summer and um, when I have free time, when I have prep time at school, to make sure that I'm um, just really intentionally trying to put together the best um, out like layout I can. Um, I'm planning on having an intern in the fall, so hopefully um, that will take a little bit of uh, the prep that I need to do for maybe a course that I'm not quite ready to to put into a spiral for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I can work with a, a new teacher and we can work together and, and get um, things put together so that it works for the next time I teach it and the next time they teach it too.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. And I know this is your prep time right now. So thank you so much for giving us some of that to have this conversation. And I know uh, we have a little bit of a tight window here too, because I know you've got stuff started right away. So I think uh, I'll call it an end here right now. But Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This has been super informative and super helpful. So thank you.
1: For sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Thanks.
0: Huge thank you to Shannon for sharing her expertise and experiences with mastery grading and spiraling the curriculum. I know that they are both topics that I find fascinating and I appreciate that she found time for this conversation, especially during this busy time of year. Speaking of this busy time of year, we are wrapping up 2020, 2021, but we do have one episode left. Stay tuned to our podcast feed for one very special episode to round out the year. Until then, stay safe and take care.